0: welcome to the gamers Inn. come on in pull up a chair next to the fire it looks like you've had a long journey i'm your host this week ryan jocelyn is away but i am joined by crofton steers from good bad or bullshit the podcast that's not what it's actually called but close enough crofton welcome to the show
1: hey ryan thanks for having me this is super awesome
0: yeah, I know that way back in the exclamation point days, or maybe just as Bo was starting to uh, you know, name drop Bo from The Core or There Will Be Dungeons, um, he uh, texted me, he's like, Crofton wants to talk about video games, but the only game I play is uh, made by Blizzard called Heroes of the Storm. So if you could maybe <laughs> throw him a throw him bone. Now... Uh, how many months later, almost a year later, uh, and a whole kid for both of us later, you're here to talk about video games with me.
1: I, and I really, I really appreciate it. We had a little mix up last week. You did. So I thought, I thought thought, like I got a babysitter to do this Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I had to break into Jocelyn's house and stuff because that's how I assume guest appearances work. You know, I did my, I did my nails, like all, 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 all of that stuff. And, and then, then it was like a false alarm. I got mixed up, but then I did it again this week, and uh, and I'm I'm ready to go. And this is exciting for me because I do do the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast with my two meathead friends, but mm-hmm. they uh, I haven't done one since since my my baby was born, my second child, and it's been really really difficult finding the time. And so uh, I, I'm I'm really excited, especially with E3 coming up. We're going to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that and uh, to, to have the opportunity to come on so thanks for having me
0: yeah and it's interesting for those folks who have been listening to the gamers in for the last couple months we announced tgi studios a new sort of umbrella that jocelyn and i have for all of our content and i had teased a show with crofton so if you're gonna get you're gonna get a preview of what that could be but mainly focused on video games we talk a little bit about video games on the other show that we're working on but it's kind of like general geekiness and and uh and all and i think we're looking to record an episode two Uh, i don't know whenever whenever we can whenever i can trick crofton into getting another babysitter how's that sound (laughs)
1: It sounds good. I mean, I I think the world could use another podcast with uh, two white Canadian men talking about something. So I think uh, I think we'll be set
0: to go. I hear the CBC is looking. Uh, Anyways, why don't we talk about video games? The reason we're here and what better way to start than by starting with something that we really haven't talked about on this show in in great detail, which is uh, virtual reality games. So I'm going to skip right to the if we have time to talk about a game that's in your notes here. I want to know what In Death is for the Oculus Rift.
1: Oh, really? eh? Okay, that's cool. Um, So right before my kid was born, Uh I I took Pat leave early, and I was like, man, I'm going to cram a bunch of gaming time into this like week or so I have before the due date. Um, And uh, I have an Oculus Rift, and and a lot of the games are – i guess tech demoe to a certain extent right uh it takes a long time to set up the oculus i'll be honest i moved houses so now i have a bunch bunch of room this is jocelyn's house so you can't really appreciate it but in my house like uh i've i've more room so i can i have that 360 vr type experience so uh so in death is uh is a game which is essentially a roguelike it's in I guess what the equivalent of early access is for Oculus, but since all the games have an element of jankiness to them, it doesn't really—they're all meet. in early access. <laughs> yeah, they all kind of are. So, uh, but but what's fun? What's fun about it is so you're it. It's in sort of like an, a gothic. Cathedrally castle that's floating in the sky and there's like this you know chanting of monks and the enemies are all these like hooded monks and and uh what looks like crusaders and such and Mm -hmm. your your method of attack is it essentially a bow and arrow and you shoot you shoot bow and arrows shots at, at them and honestly with the oculus touch which is what i have the replica uh, of shooting a bow and arrow is insanely good. And like, as you get used to it, I always use the term when talking about video games uh, that really feel tight to play uh, thumb candy type games. This is like a thumb candy VR game and that it just feels so good. And one of the big Mm -hmm. criticisms of VR games is locomotion, like getting around in the, the space. And, um, They sold that in a really cool way. Now, yes, you can walk around, but you generally never will, not only because you'll run into your walls and stuff like that, but they give you a a special arrow. You press a different button to shoot it and you will essentially teleport to where you shoot that arrow. and uh that that is really useful for traveling big distances and then you have this little sort of teleportation dagger it sounds kind of weird you can just toss it and it really tosses easily and you'll just sort of zamp like nightcrawler Hmm. to those uh, to those spots and uh i tell you at first like with every oculus game you get you kind of feel it feels weird like you're starting to play and it feels like not maybe not quite right but then it just clicks and when it clicks Oh boy is it fun. And there's like you know, video gamey stuff like power ups, you know, you can get like triple shot ice arrows, all that all that jazz. But uh but, yeah, it's just, like, it's moody. It's really fun to, like, just peek around a corner and hmm. see a guy and then, like, like, do a peek around shot, take out the dude, and then throw your dagger and teleport around. Like, it just feels so good. And, it, and for an Oculus game, it feels really polished as well. So I put a lot of time in it. It was only, like, 20 bucks, And uh, I've had a I've had a really good time with it so far. I kind of miss playing it, but uh, I don't have time to set up the old uh, Oculus.
0: Right. So... That's my biggest thing is I have access to an Oculus but I don't have the touch controllers. Like I guess I could easily go out and buy the the touch controllers being 150 bucks which you know is is a majority of the game. The games that are coming out for VR headsets now require these touch controllers whereas some of them you can use just the 360 or Xbox 1 controller but most of the ones that are truly VR immersive are the ones with the touch controllers. So I haven't I haven't had a chance to try them yet and I guess – oh, there they are. Oh, look at that. They look cool. They look yeah, very it, futuristic.
1: So like it fits – for those who are listening, this is going to mean nothing, but I'm holding up a touch controller right now. And uh, what's what's great about it is uh, is pretty much everything. Like they got really great reviews from across the board when they came mm-hmm. out. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, – and that's when I jumped on to Oculus. And I had had the Gear VR before, which was the virtual reality you stick your smartphone in. Mm-hmm. And I was actually unimpressed when I got the Oculus because the resolution is not better and maybe even worse than the Gear a vr for oculus rift like um at least the the model that's out, out there now so the big difference is the uh is the touch controllers and it's one of those things where people say like you can't really fully experience a vr game preview on a website like you need to experience the vr well bo and others uh, of my friends when i talk about vr they don't really Bully grasp it because they haven't used the touch controllers but honestly you play a game like super hot vr or hmm. in death with the touch controllers i it's just it's mind-blowing like my brother who is a total jock was over the other day and i had him try it and it was just he could not believe it like it's really uh one of those moments um where you just sort of think like wow where has this been my my whole life uh so yeah the touch controllers are pretty awesome i would totally recommend especially yeah. if you already have the oculus kit it's like a yeah. hundred bucks or something
0: yeah i think if i i should add it to my amazon wish list and just make sure that whenever it goes on sale just pick them up i'm sure they'll go on sale at some point um i've been about a month and a half behind on my podcast so a lot of people are talking about the oculus go right now and and that sounds really cool as like a media consumption vr type setup and that it's it's a standalone device and it just it just works and which, which sounds neat to me and and uh, but yeah no in-depth sounds good do you know how much it was like VR games can sometimes be a little pricier than your average experience
1: well they're only some of them are pricey based on the fact that it's um uh, you know, sometimes a glorified tech demo. There are some games that are expensive, but I find most VR games hover hover around twenty five bucks Canadian. Hmm. Um, I've got some great ones: Sprint Vectors, another good one; uh, uh, Super Hot VR, Robo Rally comes with the touch, and is one of the great uh, great ones. Just feels amazing to play that game. Um. So, yeah, there's – the thing is it's like it, it's a tall order to get somebody to jump into, say, Oculus from the ground up. Like if you are not in that world already, like the 400, 500, whatever bucks it costs to get in, mm-hmm. it's, a t- it's just a tall order. Like I get it. It's a luxury. It's but expensive, if, yeah. if you have what you have just getting the touch to me feels like you got to do
0: that. Like there's yeah. that you're already in the deep end of the pool. I'm close. So yeah, maybe I will, I will certainly keep an eye out. I don't know. I was up super late last night and then midnight struck and it was like, I didn't turn into a pumpkin, but E3 sales started. So I pre-ordered like a bunch of games on the cheap. So that's what I was oh. doing late at night. But what I, what I was doing before that is I had played uh, more Detroit to become human and last week we talked a bunch about it, so I don't want to you know, get too hairy. And I was talking to Jocelyn today, who, who again is on the road, um, about Detroit. And I think it would make a really good inside-the-game piece where we both just break it down and really go into spoilers because this is a very story-driven game. Uh, I did beat it last night. I got two, I would say, of the endings that you would get, there are three characters. So generically, there are three possible endings that vary from pretty good to good to oh, that's depressing so i got the i think i got two pretty good like two high-end endings uh and then one sort of uh not so happy ending (laughs) A, a, a a good bad but mostly bad ending i i'm curious just because um I
1: played a lot of Quantic Dream games. I played uh, mm-hmm. f- uh, Fahrenheit Indigo Prophecy, um, Heavy Rain, all of that. I always felt that they started out really compellingly, but then the end, often the wheels came off a little bit. Did you feel that that was the case with this one?
0: Um, here's the thing. As I said last week, this game... Detroit has this interesting thing where they're dealing with robots, and yes, there's some silly stuff to it, uh, and they're... And there's some moments that kind of feel like, oh, really? But at the end of the day, the story did click with me in a way. And maybe it's because I'm not, you know, I'm not American. I'm not in that world where uh, how they portray America with these, you know, industrialized robots taking our jobs, all that fun stuff. Whereas like they and they treat these robots really bad. They're like connections to the underground railroad road like literally there's a story point where you're trying to get across the border to canada you know as a robot to be free there's no like canada is a is a there are no android laws so like if you're there you're a free being there are no laws that keep androids from having a owning property or, or uh, earning money stuff like that so it's it's got a lot of those story beats where a lot of people are like i don't need that in my life right now like that's a bit much for me uh, and but they play along those lines, and um, I wouldn't say they do it like super successfully. But I thought that they did it well enough that other ga- they've certainly put themselves above other above other games that have tried to do it. And it's from it's from the idea that there are these robots that are sentient and look like humans and walk like humans and pass the Turing test and all that. So from that standpoint, like if you like, it's kind of reminds me of what someone who hasn't seen blade runner thinks blade runner is like <laughs> you know right uh i so i have not seen the new blade runner movie and yes i know i need to go see it but like i think for people who know of blade runner but have never seen it would look at detroit or play detroit and it's like this is a lot like blade runner and it really probably isn't but it's it's hard to explain but it just it uh the rope it- it's weird is it uh, – OK,
1: see, now the weirdness, I think – like I'm curious about this because one of the other tropes or or themes I noticed from Quantic Dreams, other games, mm-hmm. they're almost uniformly – they're uniformly set in America. Yeah. But they're, the studio is very French. Like I remember <laughs> in Indigo Prophecy, there's like this back scene uh, – intro with like david cage himself that made himself a character in the game and he's explaining the cinematic world of indigo prophecy (laughs) i do remember that uh, yeah and uh i was like man this guy thinks highly of himself but also i remember thinking like like when i was playing those games both indigo prophecy and heavy rain in particular there was something always like a little off like this is america viewed by another another country sort of interpretation of america is is there any of that there does it really feel like detroit is a very like you know henry ford um it's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations recently like i mean does it does it feel like what you would imagine american city does or does it feel like an american city via europe
0: no no they did a really good job of i've never been to detroit but i've heard the stories i've seen the pictures i've you know, industry, industry, let's build some cars, that sort of thing. Uh, you get that sense from this world that they've built and having not lived in Detroit, I couldn't tell you if like, oh, that's a, you know, they, they put some lasers on that build on that building that everybody knows in Detroit. I I don't know that for certain, but I do know that it feels like an American city. There's a, there's a lot of bustle. There's a lot of hustle. There's a, you know a lot of cars on the streets but it's all futurized so every everybody has a android there are like android like temporary parking spaces for your android and it's all about this slow unraveling of these androids that you don't really see as slaves you see them as tools you know like because they're they're basically you know their equipment their machinery and as the story progresses and as the game progresses you slowly realize that like oh shit we probably shouldn't be kicking the toaster here like this is these these things are like when you pass the turing test you you're you're coming closer to and the turing test being like you're able to fool a human even though you're a robot like when you pass that turing test you you go from a machine to being like a borderline sentient intelligent life and that's i think what the game is trying to investigate and if you're if you're kind of sorry go ahead
1: uh, oh, I was just going to say, my brother's a borderline
0: sentient, intelligent <laughs> life. <laughs> well, good thing he doesn't <laughs> play video games because he won't listen to this unless okay. you like put it in VR and have a... Anyways, um, I was just going to say that I think that if you're the type of person who hears about a story and goes like oh great yeah that sounds really good like that there are going to be those folks out there that don't want to touch this and they're probably listening to me talk about the story i really liked the story i like the characters all the voice acting is great i have like a crush on the guy who plays connor he's delightful um i don't know who he is but uh when i whenever i got to a chapter for him i tried to play him as as closely to keep him around as long as possible, even though if you looked at my choices, I, I redid some things. And that's what I wanted to talk about here, is that the story, as we said last week, is like a flowchart. And you can go back to certain checkpoints. And if there's one complaint I can label with the game, is is, is that your, con- your the controls of the character are very tanky. So when you move and turn around, it's very much like... You know, it's wide turns. So there's this tight corridor where I'm trying to sneak in, and and the game is very much based on invisible lines. Like, if you cross a line, or you cross a a certain threshold, it'll trigger some sort of cinematic or progression. And in this, I was trying to, like, sneak in and grab a key, but then I realized, like, oh, there's a gun there I can grab, and I tried to turn around to get the gun, and instead of the character turning around like any other normal human being would, he, like, beelines it across the invisible line to try to turn around. I'm like, what are you doing, bud? bastard. He failed the whole chapter for me. And then that's how you know you haven't become human yet because you turn like a tank. And he's like, that's the one thing they can't teach you in robot (laughs) school. So yeah, I had to restart the chapter after progressing a couple chapters because then I also like killed a bunch of characters by accident. Um, I'll be honest. That's a bit bad. This game sounds... This game does sound my like my jam.
1: Like I will probably, I will probably pick this one up at one point and, and play it. And I like those games with various outcomes. And I know the Telltale games mm-hmm. and other other games that that have like multiple endings or what have you. Um, I like that conceit, but in the end, often I will just play it once. I'll make the choices once. I know that there's other ways I could have gone, and I'm like, all right, game's over, you know? And then I I, I move on to the next one. Do you see, like, you're going back, I take it. Mm -hmm. I got from last week as well that you're going back and you're trying different things. So that's that's a testament to it being, like, Mm -hmm.
0: interesting, you know? Well, depending on the choices you make, the game can wildly shift and lead you down a separate path. And I find that the game will it, it when you complete a chapter it shows you the flowchart, chart and it'll show you like this branch that you completely miss and it's like oh man and certain flowcharts you can see but are not touched because you made a certain choice with your character and they progressed in a specific way but um i think you would really dig the game because uh it's very pausable it's very there are timed choices but you hit the pause button and it immediately goes to pause so it passes the parent test or the young yes you know the young parent test with young kids and uh, it's either dialogue choices, which is on the right side of the controller, or it's movement. And it's all there's no like if there is timing, there is certain timings where you have to like move and hit buttons. There's a lot of quick time events, so there are moments where you're gonna need both hands, so and your your focus uh, to to get those uh, quick time events. So that's kind of where it fails the parent test. But um, for the most part, you know when those are gonna pop up, and you can just pause and you know. Hit the sleep button on your on your ps4 it works quite well and uh, Bo will be happy to know that there are robot life partners in this so oh um, man they aren't happy about it I will say that 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 is probably the main bone of contention that most of the robots have is that they are you know uh, pretty much <laughs> slaves but uh, they're, they're
1: running to Canada
0: <laughs> there is a whole subplot about that and uh, we won't get into it it'll be about spoilers but I think once Jocelyn gets back we'll, we'll try to organize like a spoiler episode for those folks who have had a chance to to play detroit um i'm gonna mention quickly that i've been playing vampire i keep wanting to say vampire but it's actually it's just vampire evidently they just spelled it with a y but in the game all the subtitles say vampire with a I I R E. so i don't know whose idea this was maybe it was the guy in the seo you know office who's like guys we gotta call it Vampire with a Y. I read it once in a book. It'll Sounds help with it. Sounds
1: cooler. It, plus, we won't get sued. You know, like yeah.
0: Can you get sued by the Vampire conglomerate, like Anne Rice or whatever the heck her name is? The Diaries of uh, nobody.
1: Yeah, nobody goes that bland, bland, day with the title like there. Nobody. Vampire fiction was all the rage a few years back. You know. Yeah. It, it's like it's like calling a a a a, a movie like Zombie or or a, or a vampire you're just like we can't do you've it given, you've given up at this point it's like you know you're you're completely lazy you're just calling it what the monster
0: is werewolf the movie you know <laughs> well in this it's it, it's the one thing that kind of stands out and and again i i, I want it and it stands out at first um and again like joss this was jocelyn's most anticipated game i've i've played about three or four hours Um, i'm not going to get too much into it but i did want to mention that when she returns next week uh, before our e3 talk we'll be talking about uh, vampire a little more detail but i will tease that the combat takes a bit of getting used to but once you get the hang of it it feels real good there's like a, a some really cool mechanics in there as a vampire where you're it's all story driven so you'll meet these characters where the more you interact with and the more you you learn about them their xp that they store is greater and when you let's say well when you drain the blood of a a story-based character you gain that xp that you've saved so you have these choices where if you want to progress and make the game easier you can kill these story characters and get a large boost of xp and upgrade your your Hmm. powers and stuff however that's that's you taking story away from from an rpg Uh, so you have to have that balance and there are certain characters that are pretty much asking for it they're they're really bad people (laughs) uh but uh yeah i i I really dig the idea that you can do that but to me it's like you're going to take story away from me for for killing these characters i will slowly grind up and and become powerful over time i'm a vampire i can do this um that's not to say you aren't biting people because in combat you when you stun them you uh you can go in and and get a good chomp on. but uh, there are dialogue choices. There are consequences of your choices for uh, dialogue, or at least there are special choices that pop up. I don't know if they lead anywhere, but uh, it just reminded me a lot of like Mass Effect in terms of the the dialogue wheel. Haven't played a good dialogue wheel game in a long time.
1: So. It's it's funny because I slept on this one a bit. It's funny that Jocelyn was you know counting down to its release, but I was uh, I was. You know, I, I didn't really pay attention to until recently, and then I saw Don't Nod. I think it's Don't Nod who mm-hmm. who had made made it, and they're um, fairly well known for the Life is Strange series. So I just kind of assumed, like looking at a cup I think I saw a, an early trailer. I thought it was like a Life is Strange style adventure no, no. game. Um, you know walk around dialogue choices all that sort of stuff i didn't even know that it had like a combat or rpg uh, system or was that ambitious in terms of that what it was trying to do so it's kind of cool uh cool to hear that there's more to it than that because i do i do like the the style and ambiance and all that it seems
0: pretty cool yeah it's set right after world war one so it's got some really cool like post-war sort of feel to it it's london so it's dark and it's you know, Victorian. It feels really, really good there. All the, all the voice acting and and the, uh, and the accents are really good. Like it's not top notch, but it is what it, for what it is. It's really good stuff. And um, so far, the characters that I've I've come across are really interesting and, and kind of quirky. The main character at first felt a little off, but then you kind of get used to him a little more. It, it's kind of funny because he's a, in the first two minutes you become a vampire i'd say probably the first minute of the game you 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 get turned and you slowly learn that you are a, a famous doctor from world war one who is perfecting blood transfusions so you are a Ooh, famous blood transfusion doctor uh surgeon yes who is now a vampire <laughs> or convenient I, I i have not found out yet but i would imagine it's quite convenient uh, to be able to know how to trans transfuse blood and then drink it so i had to um yeah we'll talk more about that next week i'm I'm early in but i was really surprised once i gave it a fair shake and a couple hours in it it started to evolve as this the layers there are really interesting and and unique like that story sort of balance between story and hunger for thirst is interesting because you're you're taking characters out of the pool you know and there are certain characters you can't eat you know you can't uh you know drain of blood right away because you have to be able to mesmerize them and take them into a dark corner before you can you know kill them basically uh so you you're introduced to a couple characters early on where it's like hey you know you can do this right or you can release him and and that's because he was a low-life criminal and no one wants to that's like fast food right no one wants that you want to wait for the good stuff it's funny because I've never like I've never heard of that conceit—the idea that
1: it's like you can remove chunks of story or side quests or whatever mm-hmm. in favor of you know power boosting your character. I I fall on your side of things where I'd be like, you know, I I, I don't want to lose content and all that. But mm-hmm. then again, if I was thrown into the world and some dude is acting like a complete dickhead, and I'm like, well, wow, you can get some XP for it, right? I'd be a vampire. Um, yeah. Then uh, I could I could see that affecting it. So I do I do like that. Uh, Can see that to me strikes me as like I'm you know time. You guys talk often on the show about time being the the big luxury now, and for me it's the same. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know that would be one. If I saw on sale, I think that I I, I would uh, pick up. It's not burning the house down uh, in terms of my my interest, but uh, it's more than I thought it was. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it's certainly more than than what meets the eye it's not a robots game it's not a transformers game but uh it certainly has the best representation of vampires in video games that i've seen probably bar none like i don't think we've had vampires in video games i mean maybe you can make the argument that castlevania comes close but like i've never been much of a castlevania Well, there
1: was fan. the uh legacy of kane games and soul sure. reaver and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah they were they were pretty good but i mean like there's there's not been a um a major game uh i mean, the third gabriel knight game uh vampires were kind of well worked into it as well i like that uh just as a just i i want to roll into e3 predictions and i could talk about this next game all day but i know it's in the notes and i i I really would be remiss if Mm -hmm. i didn't take by one opportunity on the gamers in to mention it (laughs) the game i've been playing the absolute most of is a game that came out last year persona 5 Mm -hmm. um and uh, honestly so it's a turn-based game so it works great with the parenting lifestyle like so mm-hmm. I'm able to like you know pause it or whatever the other thing is it's just ridiculously long now normally that would put me off a big time but the thing is there's such a variety of like content in the game and stuff that it, it, it and it's divided in in a way like your favorite TV show would be like into seasons almost or or like story arcs or whatever mm-hmm. and so you're never I don't know. You never get sick of it in the way that another some of these other games that like just pad pad on and pad on. Uh, you, you you get sick of. It. And I'd heard a lot about per- Persona. Um, I, I'm not a huge anime JRPG type guy, but then I had picked it up uh, Persona Four on the Vita. I had I inherited a Vita last year of all things, mm-hmm. and I played Persona Four uh and i just it just got it's hooks in me like it's amazing like there's a there's a big uh there's a big sort of learning period at the beginning of the persona games but man when they get their hooks in you they get their hooks in you and so for me it's like i'm at i think um 70 hours of persona 5 wow yeah uh, i i don't put 70 hours in many games and the other thing is all 70 i think are since my kid was born so like or like you know it's the only game i'm playing right now really like it's and and uh, it's uh i have all sorts of theories about why it's so awesome but i think the crux of it is that it allows you to um go back to high school but as an adult like you're an adult <laughs> oh really well, and, how does that work well you're an adult in real life right oh, oh um, yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it, it's a, so so you're playing it are unintentional yeah, sort of, sort of, I guess. But you're you're going back and you're playing like your best life in high school, and uh, it's really huh. it it's really sort of empowering. Everything about it is kind of like empowering in some way, and it also is is a uh, very much like the um, you know, you get the gang of friends and you're solving these mysteries and you have the the powers. It, In games in particular, like you know you watch a TV show like, I don't know, The Office or something Mm -hmm. and you get used to these characters. Episode after episode, you get into them, their struggles, their tribulations. You become attached to them in a way that you can't with movie characters because movie characters is like you're in for two hours and then they're gone, maybe in the Marvel case you get a few movies with them but for the most part tv characters you can really get invested in and so when there's a wedding episode on tv or a death episode you're like oh my god you know i've i've been around the block with these characters mm-hmm. that's rarely replicated in the video game world that feeling of like you know attachment um to the to the characters and i've seen a couple of games like god of war and last of us recently that like they they'll get you really attached to maybe two characters which is a big achievement but but the persona gets you invested into like a whole group of these characters um and yes there's some like cheesiness and all that that comes with the anime mm. animeness but just over time you really get into these guys and uh and you start having your favorites and being like uh, um when when at the end of persona 4 your character leaves spoiler it's pretty much told in the intro that he's going to leave at the end of the year um you're you sort of feel like all everybody's saying bye you know and, you, and you're like oh i'm, I'm gonna miss these characters and that's why i think there's been a lot of spin-offs to these games but anyway hmm. persona 5 i know there's been a lot of hype for it uh the last year you could have started it last year and still be playing it this year it's a good game
0: well i know that uh Jimmy and, and uh, Josh fans of the show uh actually Jimmy was tweeting as we were going live about playing Persona 5 then he tweeted us and said he's been playing it. Again, it's a game that came out last May and it was on my radar and every time it went on sale I was like, "Hmm, is this the time where I picked this up?" because I I was always interested in the style of the game and I've never played a Persona and I figured this would be a good jumping in point, you know, being on the PS4 and and sort of brand new to the franchise. Uh, I just never sort of uh, bit the bullet, you know, but I I like anime style games like Fire Emblem is a big franchise based on it's it, true. In, in the anime sort of realm. Um, some would, uh, I'm trying to like Xenoblade is another one that I really dug. Uh, my biggest issue is that for these larger games, it can be tough with, with this show specifically to stick with something, you know, to stick with one game for so long to try to be... I agree
1: 100% Mm -hmm. Ryan. There's no way you could do it. It it just wouldn't work with the show. (laughs) I will tell you that at one point when I was trying to do the video game show The Exclamation Mark with Bo, he was just playing Heroes of the Storm and I was just playing The Witcher 3 and that was like every week. It was (laughs) like I'm still playing The Witcher. What are you doing? Still playing Heroes of the Storm and we never – there's news. yeah yeah exactly like it, it it becomes ridiculous and persona 5 like i mean even putting in a lot of time conservative estimates have it as to just complete the game a hundred hours mm-hmm. and uh, that is a that is a long uh, it's a long time and uh, i for you doing this show and like new, new wanting to talk about new content every week it, it's uh, it's really difficult i'd say to people who are who may be listening who are Thinking, like, wow, they're the number fives after this game, so I shouldn't touch it because I need to have played four others. You don't. It's a totally insular experience. There are themes, like, as mm. Final Fantasies have chocobos and stuff like that that come back in each one. There's stuff that comes back in persona thematically. But aside from that, it's uh, it, it, it does also a really good job of explaining all its systems. It doesn't dump them all on you at once. So, like twenty hours in, you're still getting the occasional tutorial of some new thing that they've that oh, they've wow. introduced. that they're they're adding, they try to you know space it out. It was really easy for me, having come off of Persona Four, because there isn't a tremendous amount of new components to, from that game. There is, but not a tremendous amount. Um, and yeah, like I think also like if you don't use some of the systems or some of the things, it's not the end of the world. Like not, there's a lot of stuff Uh-oh. from part-time jobs. Hmm. I, uh, you you still there?
0: Yeah, I'm here. I just lost you for a second. I think that um, Persona Five is one of those games that a lot of people who love have really loved it. And uh, we hear about it constantly over the last year, and I think it's one of those games I would love to try, just to, from the style standpoint of it all. And uh, then I, yeah, every time it goes on sale, I'm like, ah, you know. And for me, it's like I know I'm not gonna beat it. I've, I've I'm fine with that. But as long as I enjoy a good majority of it, and sometimes it's the story that keeps me going. Like God of War, the reason I kept playing it is like the whole package was really good, but the story is what kept me going. And it was a long game because of that. Same with Detroit. Story kept me going. It pushed me through to play a little bit more. And you know, on the show, we do try to focus on new content, but you know, it's it's not about content. It's about experiences. So if I have a new experience every week, I can talk about something as many weeks as I want. You know, like because there's a new experience there, a new story to share. So Persona Five sounds like an interesting experience. Every time I hear about it, I'm like, ah, it sounds really cool because I like. I like revisiting sort of, you know, old old stomping grounds, you know, through through video games, you know, or through TV or, or movies. The Office is a perfect example, you know, not that I remember working at a paper company. But, uh, yeah, I'm really glad you, you got a chance to share that. I will say here, before we move into the E3 predictions for the show, I did want to say there's a Patreon ad. And if you want to become a patron and sort of have your ad read right on the show you can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in and pledge at that level and we'll read about your stuff you plug your podcasts and whatnot on the show so this patron ad comes from simon weekly news desk is a podcast all about the geek news this week join your two knucklehead horse horse (laughs) hosts andrew and simon as they keep you informed on movies tv video games and books find them on itunes or at weeklynews.com
1: Ryan, you had one job. Yeah, I know. On, buddy. I said horse.
0: They're not horses. They're hosts. Andrew and Simon are awesome. Uh, go check out their podcast. Uh, E3 Predictions. We, <laughs> Hey, the one time someone speaks of <laughs> I love it. Um, E3 Predictions are, uh, are what we're going to talk about today. Because I think that basically we have about an hour before we, uh, everybody leaks everything. So we're just going to go through the top three here. Uh, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. Obviously, E3 is more than just those three companies, but they're the biggest ones. They're the biggest ones with the the announcements, and most of the other guys have basically acknowledged or announced those games. Obviously, details are coming, but we've got about 15 minutes, so we'll do uh, five minutes each or so. So starting with Sony... I want you to start crafting because you have, you have more written here. I'm pretty dismissive of Sony this year, but I want to hear what, what your thoughts are on what they have to show. Oh, so, uh,
1: yeah, uh, I I would uh, like to mention that it has been a weird road to E3 this year. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been a bunch of games that have been released uh, or announced already. Um, Some have been leaked and then uh, some have been leaked and then announced. The games like, uh, you know, the new Assassin's Creed, Fallout 76, Rage 2. Uh, Today they just announced a sequel to Hitman. Yeah. Yeah. there's there's a lot there's a lot that's coming out so um i'm i'm not sure why this approach is being taken but it makes me think that maybe this year e3 might be a bit of an abundance of riches because you think Mm. that on the stage shows they are going to have some big big things now sony has got it down to an art over the past few years everybody sort of comes out of e3 saying oh sony killed it or whatever Mm. i've I've seen a little bit of um, lack of enthusiasm in the – not their last E3 but some of the subsequent shows – um, uh, it's the same games that often get trotted out now that now they're big crowd pleasers, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but like uh, days gone, just got a release date early next year. Um, uh, Spider-Man's coming out. The, the release date is now, uh, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, by the way, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that one at the end of the year. There'll probably be something for both those games. Although I could see them holding back. Uh, people have seen Spider-Man and days gone in lots of E3 shows at this point. Um, in my mind the last of us for sure is going to be there that'll probably be what closes it i expect we're going to see death stranding um gameplay for the first time really uh, the hideo kojima game uh, that would my expectation would be we'll, we'll see that there um i feel to avoid the blase and to excite people there's got to be one surprise new game announcement like sure. something something that's really going to hit the nerd jugular uh and uh yeah. Like, you remember, it was, I think it was a couple of years ago, they had Final Fantasy VII Remake and then Shenmue Three, And they they just pretty much put up the logos. The games had been barely in
0: development, but they mm-hmm. get everybody standing and applauding yeah. and all that. They did that with God of War. They did that with Horizon. There's talk like, yeah, like Spider-Man's a done deal. It's out in September. So they'll probably have a sizzle trailer for that one. Uh, Days Gone, like you said, release date announced. We'll get more of that. I think Last of Us Part Two if that game comes out this year, we'll get proper gameplay, which we have not gotten yet. Um, that one might be a late 2019. Uh, same with Death Stranding. I don't think that's a this year game. It's probably a 2019 game. And that's been really my issue with Sony is that they've had these these large announcements and then it's like, but it's not coming for two to three years. So we're going to, like you said, just wring the cloth as much as possible to get every little ounce of, of hype out of this. And I'm not necessarily like, you know, boohooing over here i really like sony the ps4 is probably the second console i play the most of uh in the last couple months it is the most played platform in this house but i i agree i think we need like another like a big tease for a late a new 2019 game um but sony's been killing it in terms of first party like everything they put out just happens to be of a quality that hits a specific target uh, audience you know like when you look at our next and i guess before i move on i'll say that horizon zero dawn sequel i think we get a teaser trailer like a setup of some kind where it's like similar to what they did with god of war where he walks out and it's like you know brr, 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 like weird music and stuff but it'll be like horizon zero dawn but it'll be like horizon first after dawn or some stupid <laughs> weird name uh, so, I, I, oh, yeah.
1: It's for such a great name, it's such a great game. I really d- don't like the name of that game, but uh, no, I, I just before moving on on, mm. on Sony, I will say that I anticipate a major game announcement. I think that uh, it's either going to be Bloodborne 2 Oh yeah, um, yeah. which uh, they've they've sort of from software is being kicking the tires on something. Um, I you know Rocksteady has been silent since Batman Arkham Knight. I have no idea. You know what they're working on but i feel like time it would be time for a reveal um it, you know they're, they're not sony exclusive but i could see that happening um on the sony stage because yeah. it would really like stoke the fires of a certain target market and i could see get a big big applause and get people talking afterwards
0: yeah. warner brothers is one they've shifted their their sort of plans where they're announcing something um and and that game is then out that year they did that with Shadow of War where they announced it in spring and it was supposed to be out in August but then they delayed it into the fall um just briefly Batman Arkham Knight was another one where i think it was pretty quick after after announcement that it was it was going to be coming out and yeah, I could see Rocksteady coming back. There's been, you know, rumors about it being like people have said everything from like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Justice League to Superman now back to some original IP. Um, so we'll find out. And and yeah, Warner Brothers is usually one to have at least one game um, with another a, a, a major party. So we'll see. But I would uh, Microsoft's usually been the one in previous years to try to snap up those. Like lesser known third parties, we'll get some Destiny stuff on the Sony press stage. Probably they always seem to have a stranglehold over what little content that uh, game gets. Um, but in terms of Microsoft, I think that this is this is a make or break it year. Like this is the game. This is the year where the games have to be flowing and they have to be plentiful and they have to be critical hits. You know, they have to be really, they have to be great stuff. You know, and I just don't feel like in the last year and a half there just hasn't been much for me personally on the microsoft front you know
1: i think i think for anyone on the on the exclusive microsoft like you look this year alone they have sea of thieves and they have the uh, state of decay uh sequel as like the sort of their their big heavy hitters and when you compare that to a god of war let's just be honest it doesn't compare right like it's not it's not what what's exciting people it's not what's getting people going last year they were all about the xbox one x um it's the most powerful console on the market but if you can't play god of war on it then you know (laughs) what's the point right so so the they need to have uh, exclusives now rumor has it that crackdown which is almost a running joke at this point is being moved to next year oh, it's not a so, rumor
0: anymore they confirmed oh, it today it's uh, oh, february they, 2019
1: so i mean that's um it i for me it's just i agree 100% this is make or break in terms of like really saying like what is the reason tone and Xbox One X they're going to have a Forza they're going to have all the sports games they're going to come out and uh that's going to be like consolidating that our audience um but i think that they're going to throw money at a like they did with EA and Anthem last year, could be Anthem again, I don't know, but the, they're going to throw money at a, at, at a developer to get sort of exclusive stage presence of one of their games that's going to show off the power of the Xbox One X. Mm. Uh, and for me, my best guess to what that's going to be is Cyberpunk 2077 from CD Projekt Red. CD Projekt Red has pretty much said they're going to reveal the game at E3. Um, I'm... As a huge fan of cyberpunk in general, as a huge fan of uh, the Witcher, um, the Witcher Three and CD Projekt Red sort of business model, I am really excited to see what that is. I expect that it will be on a stage, either Sony or Microsoft, but I, my feeling is that it's going to be Microsoft as mm-hmm. they're going to have more money to throw around.
0: I, I agree. I mean, I think Cyberpunk twenty seven seven is is a done deal at one of these stage front well one of the ones we've talked about they won't be the next one but uh i i think xbox just i'm not saying they're not capable i'm not saying microsoft isn't capable i think you're right last year they wanted to focus on the xbox one x they wanted to lay that groundwork for the most powerful console but i agree to me it's got to be about the games and the ps4 pro uh didn't do it for me either like i had a ps4 played all the games why would i need this new system i have a a, a, 20, a 1080p television and yeah like sea of thieves didn't do it for me i know we have a gamers in present show you know that's jocelyn's and and civs sort of jam and and they i think have even you know their their last episode they put out it was it was more like hey when when we get new content we'll talk about the game <laughs> and as you noted here i think you know sea of thieves will will make a presence uh at the show as like hey it came out and Rare's still working on it and there's more stuff coming like if this is definitely a a service game you know there's going to be more stuff that we get there and forza as you said as well forza horizon uh four will be there there's talk that playground games which is there's also rumors that microsoft is going to buy them uh they're working on a fable fable four which honestly if they announce fable four I, Nintendo would have to really do their their due diligence, but Fable four would probably win e three for me because I love fable. i I played all of them, uh, oh. one through three. all excellent stuff. So yeah, and fa- you know, Microsoft
1: made a miscalculation a few years ago, I think in mm-hmm. terms of their game development overall something's happened because it's been a couple of sluggish years like pretty much since the launch of the xbox one um i feel like they're due to to rectify this i'm not sure if this is the year uh that it happens but like uh, generally like i think we're due timeline wise maybe a new gears or a new halo will will make an appearance like i think the timing is 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 right for that but they they need they need something i agree with what you're saying fable is is one that I, I i played fable one and two I never actually played the third one but i i enjoyed fable considerably and that would be i think that would get a lot of people's nostalgia going for the original Xbox at the very mm-hmm. least and Microsoft has done a lot of really gamer friendly stuff after getting so much criticism at the beginning of this this cycle like they have like you can you know, backwards compatible Xbox original games that are now Xbox One enhanced, you've got Xbox 360 games that are Xbox One enhanced. Like, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to have an Xbox One or an Xbox One X. Um, it's just unfortunately games, exclusive games are not one of them. So
0: I think we get that this year. Honestly, I think Microsoft has been, you know, they're of the three companies, they're the most able to kind of look at their situation and say, yeah, we're we have a games problem we're looking at it we're working on it i think you're right the drought over the last two years is certainly an example of something that went down whether they looked at all their projects and they said nope these are all ha- happening I, I don't know why they didn't maybe revisit state of decay 2 it's it's kind of buggy but uh it's all right for what it is but you know more gears more halo more f- you know more gears more f- and more halo seem like a a no-brainer and a lot of people will be like yeah of course but what else what what else have you done for me lately but a new fable would be i think it's been long enough and that franchise has sort of been kicked while it's down a couple times lately that it's due this fable you know it's back everybody um, right i would love to see that but we've left I, the oh go I, ahead i
1: just i would say that like like what's a bit sad there's a there was a point where microsoft was killing it with new ideas like at the beginning of the xbox 360 you know fable had hadn't the first fable hadn't been out so long on the original xbox then they had gears of war they were adding new things it feels like they've been treading water for a long time with like mm. a new Forza out every year and all that sort of stuff um so i think the only ip that they could relaunch that would get that same sort of fanfare that Sony gets uh, often when it's doing like a Final Fantasy or whatever is Crimson Skies from the original Xbox. I know mm-hmm. that a lot of people have been talking about like a new Crimson Skies, a remake of Crimson Skies and all that. Like I, I think Microsoft may have heard this. I would not be surprised if that was a huge secret uh, or or somewhat in development that they have a studio working on a Crimson Skies because that's the only sort of uh, other than the, the the big four ips that they have uh that's that's the only one that sort of could be a little bit of a surprise for people mm-hmm. so if they pull a new crimson skies then man i'm gonna look like a genius you're gonna have to have me back on the show all the time <laughs> to drop my wisdom
0: yeah crimson skies i don't think i've never played that one but you're right that's a deep cut you, you or brute force that's an even deeper nobody wants to go there cut I um, said
1: nobody wants to go there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember. Uh I rented that from the good old it was Terrible. Um Nintendo, the last but not, certainly not least, especially after it's it's the year it's had. Um, what what can be said that hasn't already been said? I mean, Nintendo's very good at kind of laying out this map of okay, here's what's coming in twenty eighteen. And if you really piece the dots together which is a phrase that I'm coining right now, piece the dots together. You know, you're going to have smash because they've already announced it in a grand fashion, the online service, you know, it's going to be there. It's coming in September. That to me would suggest that smash is also coming in September and they'll actually make online work. Um, They've announced a fire emblem a year and a half ago to come out in 2018. So we're due to see what the hell that is. Uh, Normally how they announce fire emblem games is they'll say like, here's the fire emblem game. It's out in three or four months um metroid got you know teased last year so we'll probably see like a fresh gameplay trailer but i think that's still a 2019 game um there's still a couple of 2018 games like yoshi and uh actually i think that was that was it so yoshi so i i mean we'll get some surprises i think but i'm curious like what are your thoughts on nintendo it's very easy to go pie in the sky with nintendo because they always have these out of left field games and and surprises
1: yeah and that's what's fun like i think everybody's sort of fresh off labo and mm-hmm. the way that nintendo thinks is being brought to the fore again here's the thing it's like nintendo doesn't give a flying crap about e3 for the most part right <laughs> they, they they essentially they they backed off their stage show the past couple of e3s they've based their whole presence around one game in particular. Um, last year to, to pump the switches tires, they managed to put out a new Zelda and a new Mario. You know, that a new Zelda and a new Mario are not coming again for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you've touched on some of the big ones. Metroid is probably the hardcore gamer favorite. It never does big numbers, but it, it definitely appeals that they could they could really like do a Nintendo Direct and, and highlight and show some footage, and people would be really excited. They've only shown the logo to let people know it's in development. Um, but what Nintendo has this year, because, again, I think they're going to base their entire presence on Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be their game of this year. Uh, but I think what, what – uh, aside from that, them doing that, what they have this year that they have not had for as many years as I can remember is third parties. Mm. Um and I'm really curious to see what that's. There's a lot of games that come to the Switch every week. Um, I'm I'm curious which ones are going to get like a pedestal, be it on it, Nintendo Direct or some other way at the show. Like uh, Fortnite's probably going to be coming to Nintendo Switch. I think that's fairly well speculated but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of other games that could be either ported or developed by third parties because third parties traditionally didn't give a crap about nintendo yeah. so so uh, as as nintendo didn't give a crap about e3 so it will be very interesting this year it's going to be a bit of a different thing because they have success mm-hmm. something that they haven't had for a while
0: yeah no i think that's an uh a really good look at it but you know we know that uh, the nintendo direct will be 45 minutes which is a good chunk of time because they don't really dwell on games they kind of just say like here's a trailer here's a short interview with the dev if they really want to you know dive into it um we already got the pokemon news out of the way so pokemon let's go eevee and pikachu are coming in november a new core pokemon coming in 2019 i'm sure they'll touch on it they'll spend about a minute looking at that but that's been announced you know they've gotten a lot of this stuff out of the way that you're right i think right after the direct ends they'll go straight into smash gameplay you know and and smash will be the e3 pillar for their entire booth bunch of demos set up but third parties is a big one i think from both a game and a you know a system standpoint like you have a note here like do they even have netflix yet? it's like no, they, they really don't. Um, they don't have a lot on there, but games. And really, like that's not a criticism in my mind because I got five or six things plugged into my TV right now that can do Netflix. Why do I need another? You know, I would. This is my Pie in the Sky because I could do Pie in the Sky all night, but I will do one, and it's some sort of virtual console esque service. I'm not talking about their online here's some classics redone for you know here's some classics you get and i think it's like two nes classics that have been created with multiplayer in mind uh, that you get for each month you're subscribed i want like here's a subscription service where you can get these old games to play on your switch like i remember before the switch launched there was a lot of rumors about gamecube virtual console support that never happened and seriously like the lack of virtual console bums me out i really want to play my old games on the switch on the go i would love to delve back into some of the gamecube favorites that i just have not had a chance to play in forever and animal crossing give me give me animal crossing that's all i ask just i really want to play animal crossing on my switch
1: I could totally see that happen. That's a that's a reasonable one. One thing I think that I'm watching the switch for. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is uh, is I have a theory about like sort of the rise and fall of these uh, of these companies because it it all ebbs and flows. In the past three console generations, we've seen Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo all be at the head of the pack at one mm-hmm. point or another, and they all fall for some reason or another. And somebody takes their place, and it's almost always uh, hubris that brings them down. And um, the, when PlayStation Two was top of the world. And oh, uh, and then play, PlayStation Three launched, and PlayStation Three was um, uh, had a Blu-ray player, but it was very it was very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Xbox 360 was able – it was also hard to develop for. The PlayStation 3 was notoriously hard to develop for. Uh, Sony didn't really care because they said, you want to do business with us third parties, like whatever, get on board. And then people jumped to to the Xbox 360, which for a long point of that console's lifecycle was the top dog. And then when the, when the new systems came in, when the Xbox One uh, came in, uh, Microsoft – had their big only, you know, they were top of the mountain. So they're like, only online. Uh, you can't trade games and all this. You're whatever. And then Sony comes in at their press conference and says, hey, look, this is how you trade games on the PlayStation 4. You hand them to one another. <laughs> Everybody goes nuts, right? So, like, my my feeling is that uh, and then Sony has been, you know, build, building itself up. But it's the only company now, as the PlayStation 4 has been leading, that doesn't allow cross-platform online. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. allow you to play Rocket League with your friends on PC or Xbox. Well while the, the other people are all playing nice together. And Microsoft, in particular, has learned its lesson big time. It's like make, trying to make up for things by doing all this backwards compatibility stuff. But now Nintendo is top of the mountain. It's got Switch. It's burning up the charts. People are buying stuff. And then all of a sudden, things like the virtual console that was very popular in the Wii and in the Wii U, um, they, they're moving away from it. And my feeling is we'll we'll see at the end but i think that they're gonna become a little bit tone deaf as success goes to their head we'll see we'll see what happens but i wouldn't be surprised now that they have a hit on their hands if they start being a little dumb
0: yeah i mean i think nintendo learned a lot from the wii u era and the early 3ds era and they're certainly learning a lot from being back in the limelight and and having it they've never had attention from third parties i mean these Fortnite announcements these paladins announcements that's unheard of on any nintendo platform since the snes that was never the case on the n64 or the gamecube like i mean maybe the gamecube a bit but the n64 and the wii and the wii u they did not get that attention um but when you when you look at nintendo i think the virtual console conundrum has always been a balance between the reason it was great on the wii and the wii u is because there wasn't a lot of great games on those consoles you know there were some great games but there weren't a lot of those games and what filled that void were these classics that you know and love and on the switch personally i want some sort of virtual console you know addition i want something there but i don't want it to take the place of the great games that have that have been coming out You know, my switch is it is never it's never collecting dust. I'm usually booting it up at least once a week with with some kind of experience. So, I agree they might get they might their their focus isn't on the virtual console experience, but I think with the Nintendo Online service, they are addressing sort of that void to a certain extent. So, but we'll see. We won't have long to wait because all this starts on Saturday with EA. And then Sunday is Microsoft and Bethesda. Then Monday is Ubisoft and Sony. And then finally Tuesday, Nintendo wraps things up at noon with their Nintendo Direct. So that's four days of E3 goodness. And you can expect a full rundown of all the major announcements that Joss and I want to talk about on next week's show, Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. And of course, I'll be hanging out in the Discord, watching as many as the presentations live. And we can hang out and watch it. But I think the main one that I will not be missing is Nintendo. So if you're going to watch the Nintendo one, please go to our Discord, bit.ly slash TGI Discord, and jump on it and have a good chat. E3 is bumping in there. Everyone's talking about the latest announcements and that nobody is saving anything for actually E3. So. <laughs> uh crofton thank you so much for being on the show i hope hey, you enjoyed thanks yourself for having
1: me oh i did man i was looking forward to it. it was a good time i really had fun thank jocelyn for me
0: i will i will thank her and why don't you tell folks where they can you know check out your stuff online there's many back catalog of episodes available for good bad or bullshit so i'm sure they could in their in the absence of new episodes they could catch up if they're new That's- listeners
1: that's true. We're we're gonna get restarted again soon. Uh, uh, at goodbadbull on Twitter, GoodBadBull.com dot com is the website. Uh, you can subscribe or or follow on uh, on iTunes to uh, to to see that stuff. You can follow me personally mm-hmm. on Twitter at Crofton Steers for all my plightly, uh tweets.
0: Yeah, and Bo's an hour late. He just popped into the chat room. So Bo sorry we missed you uh but yeah go check out good Batter bull i've been on that show i need to come back there's this running joke that i need to come back um Dude, that i started your cosmetics <laughs> when you were on i know i i felt really bad and sexist when i suggested that like not even my anyways that uh, ashley does not wear you know makeup that often so i i don't know a lot about it but i guess now having a young daughter i'm sure i'm i'm gonna learn sooner rather than later so.
1: You can make her listen to this episode and be like, this is what daddy really thinks about cosmetics.
0: <laughs> it was four grown men talking about cos. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Anyways. I, I'm
1: going to have to be sure my kids never listen to that show. I I'll mean, to-
0: yeah. I mean, the, the title of the, the podcast pretty much, you know, forbids them from listening to it until they're at least 13. I mean, it's, I, mean, I don't know. Swear or words Or makes it more attractive. Yeah. Can't have what... Yeah. Anyways, uh, parenting. It's almost as if we should start a podcast on that one. Almost. Uh, <laughs> actually, I think I did it, announce it, that we were starting uh, some sort of geek parenting life experience podcast. Uh, we've recorded one episode. I personally think it's—it it was, it was a, a really good episode. And uh, we'll record episode two as soon as Crofton stops taking guest appearances on other shows. I mean, come on, man. I'm a victim of my own success, Ryan. What do you want? (laughs) Well, I want you to go to Twitter and uh, follow Crofton Steers at Crofton Steers. Check out his stuff. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, Visit us on the web, gamersinpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at JossPlays, myself at R. Murphy, Crofton at CroftonSteers, and don't forget to follow the show at In. The video versions of all our episodes will be streamed on Thursdays at 8, p- 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash In, and are available after the fact on Twitch. So email the show at info at Let us know what you think Is going to be announced at E3. Still got a couple days to get those in. Lock in your predictions. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and have a great E3 long weekend.